Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. First week of February, but it's special, and uh, because today we kick off one of our more popular series in the year. We kick off Love, Sex, and Marriage. Yeah, a series, a series we're calling Into Me See, Into Me See. And I want to start off this series like we've started off this series for the last five years. And for the last five years, every first sermon of this series, I like to kick off with what a segment we call, you know, the, the Tonight Show segments. And this is a segment we call Love Letters from Kids. Love Letters from Kids. Yeah. And you're going to see And here's a reason why we show Love Letters from Kids, because kids are, are not a lot of things, but they are one thing, honest. Kids don't know how to fake it yet. We have to teach them to be fake. You know that's true, right? They go over to your friend's house and they eat the food. They don't like it. You're like, you better tell you like it. You better swallow, chew, swallow, and then smile. Yeah, he'll have seconds. He loves it. You know, you got, isn't it true? You got to teach kids how to be fake. But, they, but if you don't teach them, they don't know. They just, honest is all that they know. And so, uh, and so it's important because as we talk about relationships, you just need to know this. None of the things that we talk about today are going to help you if you can't be honest about where you are. Wow. So I'm going to encourage you on how to be honest by, with these kids, these kids. So kids are honest, even if sometimes the honesty hurts. Here's the first First, uh, yeah, Valentine's Day is cool. You are too. You can be better though. <laughs> you can just get 100. You're, you're good, but you, you can be better. But I like you. But I like you. That's, that's one. Next one. Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. How many people remember this? Yes, no, maybe. If this is the first time Ashley's seen it, my boy, you know, he gave a description. P.S., please put yes, no, or maybe. Unfortunately, Ashley circled no, but she gave him a reason. I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend. His name's Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. You're my next choice. P.S., P.S. That will probably be in a month or two. <laughs> Ashley is keeping it 100. <laughs> Ashley got a savings account, y'all. She got an emergency fund. I gotta be, I'll be honest, I got respect for Ashley. She need counseling, but I respect her. The next one's a different kind of honesty, because sometimes you gotta just be honest about what you're good at and what you're not good at. This kid, he's not good at drawing. He said it. He said, you are a beautiful human being, but I'm not good at drawing human beings, so I drew a potato instead. But a very beautiful potato. That's what he said. The girl, you like a potato. That's it. You like a potato. Next one is very elaborate. Dear Jessica, this guy, I feel for him on so many levels. This is his first girlfriend. He says it in the letter. He goes, I have a couple of questions. Number one, would it be too early to start holding hands? Number two, am I at the honey point yet? That's the point at which she calls him honey. Number three, 
Let me know if I'm rushing you, exclamation point. <laughs> Am I rushing you? Okay, because this is his first girlfriend. This is the first girl to ever say yes. Look, thank you for saying yes, because the usual answers I get are no way. Are you stupid? No, I already have a boyfriend. Or sometimes I'm too, we'll skip that word, shy to ask a girl out love. And then I don't know if I'm more impressed with his logic or his signature. Oh my God, how old is this kid? Oh boy, got signature. Love Jonathan, and then the bottom is what makes it for me. I haven't had a lot of girlfriends yet, but just teach me what to do and what not to do, please. <laughs> and here's why I love that so much, because that is still every guy ever. Just teach me what to do and what not to do, please. Just tell me what you want for Christmas. Don't make me guess, please. Just tell me, do you want me to shut up or talk, please? Because I don't know what to do. And I'll do it, and I'll do it. Love it. We're still, we're still asking those questions, guys. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. Do you like me, yes or no? She didn't check either one. She said, I don't know, because I don't know myself yet. Plus, I'm under a lot of stress at home, so I can't tell. P.S. You don't know yourself until you're 18. Which <laughs> a part of me is like, that's real honest. But also, let me help keep it even more honest for you. Some of us are 28 and we still don't know ourselves. Some of us are 38 and we still don't know ourselves. They can take quite a time to know yourselves. And so I guess one question that I'll ask you today is, do you know yourself? Do you know yourself? Because I've got a question that we all need to answer and we all need to be honest about today. And here's my question I want to pose to you before I give you the title of my message is, what are you looking for? Be honest. Be honest. Somebody said Jesus. I said, be honest. Be honest. Now, let me, let me give you a little, let me give you just a little kind of disclaimer on today's message. We have four messages in the Love, Sex, and Marriage series. This sermon is going to be the least practical of all of them, but it's going to be the most powerful. This is the one you need to share with your friends. This is the one you need to listen to the most. It's got the least practical advice. Like it's not about going home and doing things after today. It's the least practical. I don't, I don't mind saying that, but I'll finish that off by saying, but it's the most powerful of the four that can impact your life. Because if you don't know, how can you expect to find something when you don't know what the thing is that you're looking for to begin with? What if the problem with your search is what you're searching for? Just starting off with that. And I guess the answer to that question, what you're looking for really depends on where you are in life. Like it's a different answer like if you're single, for example. If you're single, you might think what you're looking for is very simple because what you're looking for is a person. <laughs> Plain and simple, a person. And a lot of times, especially for, for the Christians in the house today, we can get real specific yeah. with looking for that person, right? It's not even about high standards. It's just about that specific. Like we'll pray to the Lord and we're like, we want him to be six foot two and we need him to have this kind of job and that kind of bank account. And we need his name needs to start with J because my name starts with J and all of our kids are going to be J's. And so unless the J thing goes down, it's just not going to happen. Real specific. But I have found that the longer you are single, the more general <laughs> your prayers become. At first, it was like, he needs to love God. He needs to love God. Now you're like, he needs to be able to spell God. <laughs> like, like, if he could spell God with a capital G, well, I'm in. I'm in. We're in. We're going to do it. 
When he needs to understand the cross, he just needs to own one. If he can own one, that's a signal, that's a sign. So maybe if you're single, you think you're looking for a person. If you're dating, maybe the thing you think you're looking for is not a person because you found them. Maybe the thing you think you're looking for is some advice because you've been looking for someone your whole life and now you found that person and you're like that puppy who's been chasing that car their whole life. But then one day they caught the car and what now? (laughs) Why was I after this in the first place? This seems special, but where do we go from here? I'm not really sure what to do. Maybe if you're married, you're not looking for advice or you're not looking for a person. Hopefully you're not looking for a person if you're married. Maybe the thing you're looking for is a feeling. Because right now, the only thing you be feeling is you be feeling like dropkicking this person down a flight of stairs. <laughs> the only thing you be feeling is like poisoning their rice, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or overseasoning it on purpose, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you don't like that? Oh, sorry. Mm. Too much salt? Mm, yeah. Mm. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. <laughs> or because you're feeling bitter or you're feeling upset or you're feeling angry feeling like you want to walk away or walk out of this relationship, or even worse yet, you're not feeling anything, which can probably be the scariest feeling in marriage when you feel like you're just a roommate with somebody. Where did the passion go, the energy go, the excitement go? And then I want to speak to a a community of people that you have to forgive me if you've been a part of our church for these many years that I've never spoken to in the past, and I think I failed you in that way as your pastor, but I'll make it right today. I want to speak to those who are either going through or recently divorced And those who, and I have to talk to these people because of the 2020 and the 2021 that we've had, those who have become recently widowed. It's really hard for you to attend a love, sex, and marriage series because you you know what you think you're looking for is you think you're looking for a purpose because for so long, that person was your purpose. Now that they're not there, where do I go from, from here? I want to help you today, no matter where you are in the relationship spectrum, I think this series is going to help you. I think today is going to help you because today I want to suggest to you that you are not looking for the thing you think you're looking for. And I want to suggest to you what the Bible says you and I are looking for because we're all looking for the same things. It's the title of my message. Hear me. We are looking to feel seen, to feel known and to feel love. The title of today's message is Seen, Known, Loved. Somebody say seen, seen known, known, loved. Love. We'll break it up in sections. This section say seen. seen. This section say known. No. This section say love. No. Seen, known, loved. And we're going to begin with the first, which is everyone needs to feel seen. I didn't say that everyone needs to be in a romance. I didn't say that everyone needs to get married. I said, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, everyone needs to feel seen, which is a problem. Why? Because most of us are born feeling invisible. See-through. What does it mean to feel invisible? It means to, to, to do your best, hoping that someone will recognize, but they don't. It means to try and look your best, hoping that somebody will compliment you and notice, but they don't. To feel invisible is to wonder if anything you say or do really matters or makes a difference. And if anyone you meet cares to feel seen is inside of us. It's a part of us. You could blame a lot of people for the need to feel seen. You could blame your abusive or absent parent. 
Maybe you never had the dad who was like, way to go, buddy. He never showed up to the game. Or the mom who wasn't there to really compliment you, but instead she always criticized you. And maybe it wasn't even their fault because of the life of addiction that they had. Or, or, or worse, they just passed away at a very young age. And so you never got that from them. So you just grew up feeling invisible. Maybe it's because of that bully, you know, in school who just did his best to kind of grind you into the ground. Maybe it's because of racism that you feel invisible because you grew up in a society that because of the color of your skin looked over you and didn't give you the opportunities that everyone else got of a different skin color. Maybe it's your economic status. We have members of our church who were formerly homeless sleeping in the back of this property right here. And when you have conversations with them, you know what they tell you the worst part about being homeless is? Not the cold, not the rain, not looking for food. It's everybody who just walks past you and doesn't even see you. They treat you like you're invisible. It's a pain. Or if you just want to be real about it, this is a love, sex, and marriage series. We could just go to the second grade and blame Susie <laughs> or Richard. That first crush you had that took you a lot of confidence, you know, took you a lot of boldness to go up to them and, and write the yes, no, maybe paper. And they didn't circle yes. And they didn't circle no. They didn't even circle maybe. They took a red marker and wrote never. <laughs> it was just my childhood? Okay. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh. I feel invisible. Nobody sees me. And, and honestly, are you ready for this? I wouldn't point to any of those people, even though we could. If I'm going to point to anyone for the reason why we need to feel seen, I'd point to God. Because believe it or not, hear me, you were created to be seen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Look at this. So God created mankind in his own what? In his own what? In the what? In the image of God, he created them. Now, if you draw a picture, you draw a picture to be God created you to be seen. Why would God create you to be seen? Because you were created into his image. In other words, you are supposed to reflect to the world who God is. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says the same thing, but in a different way. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may, that they may, See, 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 you were created to be seen, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You understand that you are not creative for just any reason. You are creative because God is creative. And when he put his creativity in you, it's so that when you put your creativity out into the world, people can look at the creativity you produce, look back at you and see God's creativity flowing through you. The reason why you're intelligent and smart is not because you're intelligent. It's because God put his intelligence inside of you. And when you put your intelligence out into the world, people are supposed to see your intelligence and see God is intelligent. Your compassion, your patience, your love for others is supposed to point back to God. But because we don't grow up with this direction, we're simply left with the desire. We don't even know why, but it's in us. We got to be seen. And you know how you know this is in your DNA? Because you've been trying to be seen since your very first relationship. And I'm not talking about Susie. I'm not talking about Richard. You were trying to be seen in your very first relationship, the relationship with your dad and with your mom. You know, the very first person you ever tried to impress was not oh boy. It was papi and mommy, dad and mom. And boy, did you want their attention. Isn't it true? If you have a kid, you know this. They will do the silliest thing. And the moment they do it, they'd be like, Dad. Dad, look what I did, Dad. I remember when my kid was potty trained, you know, he came up to me, he's like, Dad, come look. Look what I did, Dad. 
They're like, so what do you think? What do you think? What's he, what's, what's he, like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to be, yeah. For Liz, it was, you know, if you look at my wife, she's a very beautiful woman and, and she's got great hair and the makeup and she's always been beautiful and she's always been a great dresser. Well, the reason why she's such a great dresser is because she was the youngest of three girls and her older sisters will always dress her up. She would tell me that her sisters treated her like, like their play doll and they would put her in mommy's high heels and mommy, she would come down the stairs wear her high heels and her big old dress and she would put it on. And you know why she would risk her life coming down those heels, coming down those stairs on those heels? You know why? Because daddy was sitting on the living room couch. And she would put on her red dress and she would come over and she would say, Daddy, do you think I'm pretty? <laughs> and of course, being a good father, he said, oh, baby, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You know, we, we, we long to be seen. You see it in children. I did it differently. I wasn't much on the looks department growing up. I, I matured. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was a late bloomer. I finally filled in to my ears, you know, like... <laughs> Took me 35 years, but I grew into my ears. And, and uh, thank you, appreciate that. And so I did it differently. For me, I couldn't do it with my looks, so I had to do it with my intelligence. I was, um, I, I wasn't say I'm a smart kid. I was just, I had a good memory. Like I had a really good memory. Sorry, this is a little more difficult than we practiced. There we go. I had a good memory. And I'll never forget being in, in uh, at school and, and even being in church. We used to be a part of this thing called Royal Rangers, which if you don't know what that's like, they hate when I describe it this way, but it's like Christian Boy Scouts. And they were giving out badges one day for memorizing Psalms 23. And I remember my mom, my dad sent me down and they were like, hey, if you memorize this in front of the whole church and you say it, they're gonna give you a badge. And like, I could feel that they were saying like, and we'll be proud. And so I was like, yes. And I have my little Bible and I was like, you know, Psalms way, the Lord's my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me to, you know, it's memorized. And I nailed it and I got my badge. And I, and I, and my, and I, when the whole church was there, which church was not that, that big, maybe 70 people, but I didn't see any of those 70 people. All I saw was mom and dad yeah. looking at me, clapping and applauding me because I wanted to, to be seen. But there's a dark side to this need to be seen. And then that is that whatever you have to do for attention, you have to keep doing it for attention. Have you been there? I'll just go ahead and continue with my story. So for me, intelligence was the thing. So I remember one day I got an A on a test. I said, I showed him. look, mom, look, dad, I got an A on the test. You know what they did with that A? With that family. They took the magnet and they went to the fridge and they put it on the, and every time I went to get my milk and cereal. <laughs> I was seen. I was seen and it felt good to be seen. But one day, one day, my sister, who she would admit to you, she said, I wasn't the best at school. She came home with a C. And, and, and you know how I know? Because when I went to get my milk and cereal, her C paper with a magnet was standing, sitting, attached right next to my A. Now, God bless my parents. They don't know. They're doing the best they're doing the best that they can. If I'm a parent, I'm thinking I'm doing the same thing that, that she's doing. I'm not going to parent my kids any differently. I get why they had to do that. They're, they're being encouraging. They're being supporting. But unintentionally, and this is sin's fault. The unintentional consequence was, I got to be careful because my mom's in the front row. Sin's fault. <laughs> not mom's fault. Sin's fault was this. Here's what sin told me. If you got to see, you would not be on the fridge. Wow. So here's the deal. Anything less than an A in life means you will not be seen. I spent my whole life trying to be a perfectionist. 
My, my sister and I even had this conversation recently because she was like, you know, growing up, I felt like you were always trying to be better. I hope she understands now. I wasn't trying to be better. I was trying to be seen. I was trying to be loved because I felt like that was the only way I was going to get love to be the best. And that is the tension that whatever we do to be seen, we got to keep performing and we got to keep doing. And sometimes it gets exhausting to keep putting it on for other people to see you. Now, maybe your thing isn't academics or maybe your thing isn't looks. We do this in different ways. For some of y'all, listen, you found out at a really young age that you could sing. Praise the Lord. You can sing. And so you picked up an instrument and you started playing and you were real good at music and you thought you were doing it since you like music. Uh-uh, you were good at music because you like to be, you like to be seen. Hey, you know how I learned to play guitar? I, why I learned to play, I could play guitar. You didn't know that? Fun fact, I could play guitar. You know how I learned, why I learned? To impress a girl. Yeah, first song I wrote was not a worship song. It was a love song and it was not for Liz. And I, I, I don't tell that, to tell you, it did not work. <laughs> Some of us will do that, though. We'll pick up an instrument and we'll hide behind our music, but when our music career doesn't pan out or the song doesn't work, we just keep strumming and strumming and strumming, but we don't feel seen. For, 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 for other people, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not your talent, but maybe it's your appearance. Mm. Maybe, ladies, this is why you get your hair did. So often. Maybe the reason why you get your hair did and your nails did is because if we're honest, we like to be, yeah, and maybe that's why. I gotta be careful. I ain't trying to be canceled. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be canceled. I'm not trying to be canceled, but I, got, I feel like I have a responsibility. So, so, so here's the thing, okay, maybe, if you're still gonna love me after this, say amen. amen. <laughs> Somebody's like, it depends. <laughs> What's about to come out your mouth? I'm just gonna say this, and this is not a judgment. This is not an accusation. This is not an attack. I'm gonna come after the guys in just a second because we do it too. But let me just say, maybe, maybe that's why over time the v necks have gotten wow. lower. And the, and the skirts have gotten shorter. And the pants have gotten tighter, so tight you can see the year the penny was made in the back pocket. But you, uh, tighter, I'm not attacking. I'm not judging. I'm not even saying this right or wrong. I'm just trying to help you understand you. Maybe why we do it is because we want to be And guys, you know better. You know better. How come when you start working out, explain this to me. First off, why you work out? Why in today's world do you need to be strong? I just want to be strong. For what, bro? We live in a world where everything is electrically powered. What you trying to lift? Where are you trying to go? You, you, never, you never know when you need a bicep. Now we got guns now, you know, you know. Why are you trying to do it? You know why you're doing it to be? That's why the bigger you get, the smaller your shirts get. Huh? Let me come over to this side. Huh? Can we talk about it? How come the bigger you get, the smaller your shirts get? Well, I'm just filling it in. Nah, you shopping in the kids section. Hey, can I be honest? I'm the same way. I'm, if I'm talking to the lady, I'm talking about myself. I told Liz the other day, I said, these shirts should be putting me in the preacher too baggy. If I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get fed, I'm going to do it to be 
It's not an accusation. It's, a, it's an understand. You got to understand how you're wired. It's, it's because I want to be seen. And it's not vanity. It's divinity. It's God in you that makes you want to be seen. I'm just going to throw a couple more real quick, real fast, real fast. Maybe that's why you, you picked up sports. Okay, because you, <laughs> the headband is sports. Because, because you wanted to be, and you were so good at basketball, everybody used to clap for you, and then you got on the court with somebody who could dunk. <laughs> somebody who was better than you, and all of a sudden, they weren't looking at you anymore, they were looking at them, and now you lost your identity. Wow. Now you lost your identity straight up, because you don't have it. Go ahead, guys, maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you try and be so funny all the time. Maybe your sense of humor is not a self-defense mechanism. It's a see-me mechanism. Maybe that's why you're making jokes at all the inappropriate times. Maybe that's why you got in trouble for being the class clown in school. It wasn't that you were immature. It's that you were trying to be Because you were created to be seen. But you got to know this about you. This is who you were. Maybe this is why we, we fight for the promotion. Because nothing feels as good as a label does. CEO, ooh, I'm a CEO, look at me, I'm a CEO. Maybe that's why we spend so much time going to school so we can become a doctor. Actually, no, sorry, it's, it's Dr. JJ, doctor, doctor. If you're gonna address me, just, just, you know, just doctor, I'm a doctor. And then when we get all those jobs and we get all those promotions, we get a lot of money. And of course, what do we do with all the money? Ooh, yeah, but why? Why spend it? Why, why spend it on the Gucci bag? Why not spend it on the Nike bag? Why not spend it on the Adidas bag? Why not spend it on the bag with no logo? Why do we spend all that money on the Gucci bag? Because there's something about that little GG that helps you be seen. It helps you be seen. And, and if you don't got the money for it because you ain't got the job for it, that's why you get in debt. You got a Mercedes. In the, in the, in, you got a Mercedes parked in front of your house so other people can think you're doing better than you actually are. And you got 59 years of payments. Talk about, I can afford it. It's $200 a month for 80 years. All so that you can be. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but there's. Oh, oh, I got to go here for a second. Because right now all the married people are like, yeah, but that's not me. Single people do this. Married people, we already got ours. We don't have to put all this on anymore. We don't got to try anymore. First off, you just admitted to not trying. <laughs> Every married person who's like, I'm done putting it on. Yeah, you are. And that ain't cool. Secondly, just because you're married doesn't mean you stop trying to be seen. Oh, you don't want to be seen no more? Okay. Is that why you make announcements when you throw out the trash? Guys, you know you do it. I'll be back. I'll be back. Just gonna throw out the trash real quick. Just want you to know I'm gonna throw out the trash. How can you make announcements? How come it's a big deal when you fix something? Hey babe, just want you to know the, the light bulb, I replaced it. I got up on top of the ladder and you know, I risked my life. Risked my life at the top of that ladder. But I want you to know real quick, you know, I did it because I love you babe, it's just. You know what I'm saying? Just, your boy fixed the light, the, the, the light bulb. Just, Ladies, if you don't want to be seen in marriage anymore, why you come home talking about, do you notice anything different? You know it's a trap. 
What does it matter? You know, you, you notice anything different? I remember the first time Liz came home, we were married. She said, you notice anything different? I was like, no, never again. <laughs> never again. She said, you don't notice my hair? It was the same color. It was the same shape. She said, you don't notice? I said, no, I don't notice. She said, I cut an inch off. <laughs> Which apparently, that's a big deal. I'm like, you want me to notice an inch? An inch? Then later on in marriage, she came home. She said, do you notice anything? I said, you got an inch off the... She said, no, I did my nails. I'm like, oh. And then last week she got me. She came home. She said, you know what I'm saying? Different. I'm like, hair. No, she said, nails. I'm like, I'm out. Those are my only two that I... She got my eyebrows. I'm like, you're trying to capture me at this point. This is a trap. It matters. You know why you ask the question? Because you want to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey guys, if you don't care to be seen, can I tell you, this is why you speak to the receptionist at the beginning of when you get in your, why you talk to her longer than you probably should. Because your wife's heard all your jokes. She don't laugh no more. But the receptionist laughs. And it's inappropriate, but she makes you feel. That's why ladies, you spend more time getting ready for that Christmas party at the office than you did coming for church this morning because he's at the office and the way he gives you attention and the way he talks about your outfit and the way he mentions your blouse and the way he noticed that one inch, he makes you feel. And then I will be married and we'll, we'll do the wrong things for the wrong people. Sometimes that leads us to having affairs. And here's the saddest part. After all that work for being seen, why do we still feel unsatisfied? Why do we still feel empty? Why do we still feel like it wasn't enough. Here's where I want to, I've never, I've never said this before. Thank God for social media. I never thought I'd ever say that from the pulpit, but you know, I want to say thank God for social media. Cause after we put it all on, what do we do? And we post it and people, and we post it to be, and people like it and they like it with a little button that's shaped like a, because it's the impression of love. But it's not love. Why? Because you and I both know that they can only like and they're only liking what they see. But behind what they see is what they don't know. And you can't love someone for what you see alone. Because then you start thinking in the back of your mind, so what if I wasn't funny? What if I wasn't pretty? What if I didn't have money? What if I couldn't play an instrument? Would you love me not for what I can do and what I show, but would you love me for who I Mm. because true love is not what you see, but what you see and what you, everyone needs to feel known. Everyone needs to feel known. Social media can never provide you that. It can only provide you people who like you for what they see, but it can never provide you affirmation for what you know. And what you know is different than what you see. You know, it's interesting to me how the Bible refers to sex for the first time in the Bible, how it refers to it. It doesn't use the word sex. Here's how the Bible refers to intimacy. Genesis chapter four, verse one. And Adam knew his wife and she conceived and birthed Cain. And Adam knew his wife again, knew. And Adam what? Knew. knew his wife again and she birthed a son and called his name Seth. You know what the word the Bible uses for intimacy and for sex? No. And this is gonna mess some of y'all up and it's gonna encourage some rest of y'all. The New York Times did a study um, and it said that the happiest couples sexually, when it comes to happiest couples, are married couples over 60 who have sex. 
Some of y'all are never gonna see your parents the same way ever again. <laughs> You're never gonna see your parents the same way ever again. Which makes no sense, listen, if sex is all about what you see. Because when you're over 60, let's be honest, what you see is not what you used to see. Huh? I'm not saying that. It's just, it's not what you saw. So why, why is the sex better? Why is the intimacy more heightened? Because you might not look like what they look like, but you know more now about them than you knew before. You know someone that you've been married to 20, 30 years. And when they're intimate together, the level of intimacy is heightened by your level of knowledge by that person. Because sex, listen to me, is a metaphor for what intimacy really means. Why? Because when most people have sex, they have sex with their clothes off. Most people. It's, an, it's a metaphor that you're loving me and I'm loving you underneath it all. Without the outer coverings, without the pretending to be without the clothing, without the representation. You're loving me just for me. That's intimacy. And this is the problem. So, so do you really know someone? Because if you don't really know someone, what they're on the inside, you're not going to really be able to love them. And does someone really know you? Because if they don't really know you, they can't love you. So if you're single, it's very important that you share your dreams with your partner and that your partner shares your dreams with you because your dreams are who you really are. Sometimes we don't want to share them because we're embarrassed to share with people what we really believe, what we hope. But you need to know this when you start dating. Why? Because you need to know if you and that person are headed to the same place in life. If this person wants to travel for the rest of their days and the other person wants to have kids, you're not gonna be able to do both at the same time. You need to know their dreams. You need to date someone long enough to find their weaknesses, to really know them. Somebody asked me, they said, how long should I wait before I marry somebody? How long should we date? I said, however long it takes to meet this person. Yeah. However long it takes to meet the person without the hat. However long it takes to meet the person without the guitar. The real person. Because everyone has weaknesses. And don't you say yes until you meet that person, the real person. Yeah. Not their representative, the real person with the real weaknesses. Don't ever marry somebody you think is perfect. <laughs> oh, he's just so perfect. You're not ready. Amen. You need to find the imperfections and then ask yourself, can I live with those imperfections? We never fight. Don't you get married. You got to have a couple of good fights underneath your belt to know who that person turns into when all this comes off. Hey, and you need to know their past. I'm not just talking about their credit report, although that's a really good place to start. I'm talking about who hurt them because they're going to see you when they think they're going to be thinking of them. She didn't know where they've been through. Married people, let me talk to you really quick, married people. Who are you on the inside? Number one, this is really simple stuff, but it's easy. You need to talk about your feelings. Why? Because you don't know this yet if you're single, but when you're married, it's really easy for your home to feel like a business. You take care of the bills, I'll take care of the kids. You take care of the house, I'll take care of the car. And we forget that we're actually talking to people. Here's a question you need to ask every once in a while. How are you? Also, identity. Not how are you. You know, here's a question to ask every once in a while when you've been married, who are you? Are you ready? Because the person you married is not the person you're married to. Yeah. Come on, talk about well, he changed, Pastor. Well, she changed, Pastor. And so did you. Amen. Everyone changes. The question is, are you so locked into the idealized version of your spouse that you proposed to that you are not willing to invest the time to meet the new person that they've become? Wow. You got to be willing to put in time to meet the new them. Because the, 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 today's them is the them after kids. That's real different than the number four kids. The new them is the them after losing somebody that they loved. 
The new them is the them after working in the office for, for 10 years. They got a new perspective on life and you need to hear that and know who they are. This last one's gonna hurt, but you need it, you need it, you need it. They need to know your secrets. You can't be married and have secrets because the secrets become a shield that keep them from knowing you. The best thing that ever happened in my marriage after knowing Jesus, are you ready? The best thing that ever happened in my marriage or the birth of your kid, your trip to Hawaii recently, the best thing that ever happened in my marriage was when my addiction to pornography got out. When my secret came out, not by my choice, she found some stuff. It was the best thing for so long I couldn't wonder, I was wondering why I couldn't feel love from my wife for years. I was in it because I, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be in it, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It was because I had a secret in my mind because she would compliment me all the time. She would tell me things like, oh, you're so good at preaching. You're such a great pastor. I love you. You're the best husband. You're the best dad. You're such a great example of loving Christ. And in the back of my mind all the time, I would think, but if you really knew me, you love, but if you really knew me, I don't think you would say those things about me if you knew me. And when this came out and she said, and I still love you, Here's my prayer for you. And I know, I know you might hate this, but here's my prayer. My prayer is that in the next four weeks, your secret would come out. Amen. Well, what if I tell them my secret and they leave me and the marriage is over? But if you keep the secret, it's already done. It's already done. If you hold on to the secret, guys, you're just going to be in a loveless marriage, which is worse than not being married at all. I pray today when you go home, the secret comes out so that she can love you, so that he can love you. Like, like you were created to be. And then when you're, and here's the problem now, we all need to be seen, we all need to be known, but finally, listen, everyone needs to feel loved. Everyone needs to feel loved, but we can't be loved, why? Here's the problem, are you ready? Because in order for someone to really love us, they have to really what? But in order for them to get to know us, we have to get them to see us. So in order to get them to see us, we put all this on. But in putting all this on, we cover up who we really are, which prevents us from really being known, which makes it impossible to really be loved. Did you follow that? In order to be loved, you have to get to be known. But in order to get to be known, you have to get them to see. But in order to get them to see, I gotta put it on. But by putting it on, I'm covering up who I am. And if I'm covering up who I am, I can't really be loved. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. You gotta find someone who knows who you are, who sees who you are, and loves you anyway. Because if not, Here's what you're gonna try and do. You're gonna try and look for that person to fill this hole, but what you don't know about that person, they got a hole too. Everybody's trying to be loved. So you can't go to someone to get something that they don't have. Put it on the screen. Two people with holes don't make one person whole. And this is 90% of our relationship problems. We're going to someone to fill a hole that they have themselves. Everybody's trying to be seen. Everybody's trying to be known. Everybody's trying to be loved. There ain't nobody got a love to give. What's the solution? I think you know where I'm going with this. I got three things to tell you. Number one, before any of this, before you needed to be somebody, for somebody to see you, God sees you. Put it on the screen. God sees you. 
Psalms 139, 13 and 16, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes, your eyes, where did he see you? When you were in the womb, which means before you cracked your first joke, before you passed your exam, before you learned the C chord, before you started buying stuff, before you could afford a Gucci bag, before you learned how to do the mascara with the cat eyes and all that, before you learned how to dress, when you were naked in your mother's womb, I saw you. You already had my attention. You don't have to fight for nobody's attention. You already got God's attention. And He don't just see you, God knows you. God knows you. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Are you ready? He said, before you ever did something in life, I knew what you were gonna do. And I knew what you weren't gonna do. In other words, I know every success and every failure. And I still love you. And I still want you. And I still want you. Regardless of them, I, I know every secret. I already know it. I knew the secrets before they came, before they became secrets. And I still want you. And to find someone who really sees you without having to do nothing, someone who really knows you, is to find a God who really loves you. God loves you. Now, now I gotta pause right here and we'll close because there are two types of people in this church today. One person who is here, they, they, they're new to the Christianity or they've never really been strong in the faith and they are loving this message because this is blowing their mind right now. God loves me after all that I've done, after all that I am and I don't have to go find it anywhere else. Yeah, you know who's not liking this message right now? People who have been in church their whole life because you got a little disappointed. You came to church today and you said, okay, so the answer to my relationship problems is the thing I already know. God loves me. That's the big takeaway. That's the big one I'm going to do. Here's what I've discovered in life. There's a difference between knowing God loves you and grasping the love of God. When you grasp the love of God, it changes you. If you're single, let me bring this back to relationships. You know how this changes you? How the, when you grasp the love of God, it means that you don't need someone to fulfill your needs. You don't need to get in a relationship because a relationship needs to fill your needs because before you get into the relationship, you already have your needs met. So you don't gotta lower your standards. And I hear somebody real cynical in the back talking about, well, God don't meet my sexual needs. And I got sexual needs. I need to get in a relationship with that. Let me speak to you real quickly. First off, sex is not a need. Somebody just said the devil is a liar. <laughs> Can I tell you what some needs are? Water. Yeah. Air. Yeah. Food. Some guys are not smiling right now. <laughs> hey, a need is something that if you don't have, you'll die. Amen. And I've heard of people dying for a lot of reasons. But I ain't never heard of someone dying because they weren't having sex. Never. You're in the office one day, you hear about Johnny? Just walking down the hallway one day, it blew up, it blew up. It blew up, what happened? You didn't have sex, it blew up. Needed to do it, he couldn't do it, just exploded. Now he's dead. 
You don't need sex. You need to feel seen. You need to feel known. You need to feel loved. And for a long time, sex was the only way you could feel seen. You could feel known. You could feel loved. But sex without being seen and known and loved is like plastic fruit. It's like Monopoly money. It looks good, but it's empty and can do nothing for you. You're married. You're married. You know how being seen, known, and loved changes you by God? You don't have to worry about that other person not meeting your needs. Well, Pastor, they're not meeting your needs. The question isn't why aren't they meeting your needs? The question is why do you have to go to another person to meet your needs anyway? You have it. Hey, divorced and recently widowed and recently divorced people, let me encourage you because I know this is a hard message for you to hear. You know why it's so hard? Because for a long time when that person died, you thought, I lost a piece of me. But you haven't lost a piece of you because that person never completed you. They complimented you. Only the one who made you, who formed you, has the missing piece. Only the one who made you can complete you. Only the one who saw you before you were in the womb knows how to heal the womb. He's the only one who can complete you. And when he can complete you, then you can go into marriage. Then you can go into the world, not looking for a love to fill you, but having a love to give. We'll talk about that next week. Once you are loved, how do you go through life giving love? We don't get it. By the way, this is a mind mind shaker, mind breaker. We don't get into a relationship to receive love. We get into a relationship to pour out the love that we've already been received. That's it. That changes everything for you. I know it's not practical. I know I didn't give you one, two, three, four. That comes next week. But if you don't know this, you will always be looking for people with holes to make you whole. You gotta catch this. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you got a hole, can I suggest to you that that hole is a cross-shaped hole? And that the only one who can fill that hole, his name is Jesus Christ. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. You gotta make a decision today. If you're far from Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if it's been a long time since you've been to church and you're ready to make that prayer, I'm gonna pray for the rest of us who've been in church and you're in marriage, you're happy because you needed this message too. But if you're far from God, on three, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand. Jesus, I need you all over this building. One, two, right now, raise your right hand high. One, two, three, right now. If you need Jesus, raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. Just stay right there with your hand high. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand all over the building. You're not alone. Put your hand down. If you raise your hand, even if you didn't, will you repeat this prayer with me? Everybody say all together, Father God, I got holes. And today I learned only you can complete it. Today I learned you see me, you know me, and you love me. So today I receive your love. Forgive me for my past. Today I want to choose to live my life in a new way a way that is filled and complete. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Give it up. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.